Now the fun begins. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, and review us wherever you get a podcast. And if we're not on that platform, let me know. I'll get us on there. And follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like, and our dope giveaways. I'm your host, as always, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelist, on most internet platforms. Joining me is just the voices in my head. <laughs> no, it's just me this week. Uh, Mike's traveling, uh, and it was kind of a last-minute thing, so didn't get a chance to uh, hop on, get a guest and everything, so... We're going to have a little food for thought session. Um, that's what I'm like telling the voices in my head that, yeah, that's what I'm calling these episodes. The, the like <laughs> just me rambling into the void kind of things. Um, but yeah, just figured I'd jump on. I want to get I uh, want to touch on a couple things next week. Obviously, we'll be back to normal having a, you know, full mic in myself. What is it? My I'm trying to think of the what's that show that had uh the fucking mall clop guy. Uh, fuck. No, no, it wasn't the mall cop guy. Fuck. No, it was uh, Mike and Molly. I'm thinking of something. I'm thinking of Kevin James. Maybe that's who I'm thinking of. It isn't him. I, I'm fucking. I'm. I'm derailing this already, and I'm by myself. Anyways, though, we'll be back to a normal episode next week. Mike and I will be back. We'll be bullshitting like we always do, uh, and I'm sure Mike will have a lot of thoughts on what. I kind of wanted to go over this week, but a couple different things. Um, <clears throat> before we get into that, um, obviously, I'll go over a couple of things I'm playing. Um, it hasn't really changed too much. I'm still kind of poking around Skyrim, still playing Infinite Daily, even though I put out my infamous tweet that I was like, you know what? I think I'm ready to say the competitive matchmaking in Halo Infinite is just broken. Um, obviously, I was a little upset when I tweeted that, <laughs> um, but I still do stand by a lot of that that there are some major flaws with the game that I don't want to say are dooming the game because they're not, but there are flaws that aren't foundationally screwed. It's not like you built the house and it's, you know, this big mansion and it's being just supported by a couple pieces of plywood. No, it's the foundation of the game is what is making me come back to it. It's a fucking fantastic first-person shooter and a fantastic Halo game, um, at least trending in the right direction than the previous titles, in my opinion. But the things that do need changed are simple tweaks, in my opinion. Um, if, if I'm being straight up, I think the, at least for keyboard and mouse, um, the melee magnetism needs to be completely redone and meleeing in general needs to be done, uh, completely redone. Um, and you're saying, well, you just said foundational changes more or less. So I, I'm saying more from a, 
hey, we need to work on what's coming on with the reticle. How is the reticle involved? Where is the lunge at? Where is, you know, it's very hard to get a consistent because it's very hard to be consistent with it in terms of like, I can I can guesstimate, okay, I've been playing Halo for, you know, 20 years basically now. I know when I'm going to get the lunge, when I'm not. But then sometimes it's like, hmm, even though I'm hitting it right there, like, you're not going to give me that one? Wow, okay. Or I'm going to just completely miss? Like, so, and that comes down to, down to the physics of it. So, that may be a little bit different in completely, you know, altering some of the physics within the engine itself, you know. But at the end of the day, fixing some issues with it are are achievable. Not to mention, too, the still facing a lot of, you know, maybe every four games I'm getting in 3v4 um, to start the game. I'm just hard quitting. I hate to be that guy, but I'm not going to waste 10, 15 minutes of my time to just lose a game, especially if it's like Strongholds or something like that that is objective-based. It's one thing if it's Slayer, I'll usually hang around for Slayer, but outside of that, like, I hate doing that, but I'm not going to waste my time. Like, I need to, (laughs) I want to play as much as I can in, you know, me being a 29-year-old man, my time is technically limited. I mean, granted, I love playing games, so I play them with my, you know, my wife and I play them together. I play them with my friends and stuff like that. That's how we are able to get together still during the pandemic and whatnot, especially now that Mike's living in Virginia. So it's, I play a ton of games, but at the end of the day, that's still, I still have a full-time job. I still have, you know, a social life and things like that. So I want to make the most of that in being able to play that game competitively is something I really enjoy doing, but not whenever it's just literally giving me the worst possible experience when it comes to just network stability and things like that. So playing on a lot of a lot and Mike talked about it previously. And, you know, obviously that makes total sense with the game being how it's being based around having a high tech server comparative to um to be able to keep with the Xbox One and its network capabilities. To me, that was a poor mistake, but at the same time, I get it. Don't agree with it by any means, but I get it. So, anywho, though, still playing that, still having my issues with that, but I'm still enjoying the game overall. Um, I wouldn't be going back. There's, like, I brought it up to Mike and I brought it up before. There's still something intrinsically good and fun about this game, or we wouldn't be going back in general. Uh, It's The combat is or the gameplay is fucking fantastic and fluid when it works. When it works, I don't think there's a better gameplay out there really right now um, in terms of the arena shooter. Um, and I know that's kind of a dwindling genre or subgenre of the FPS, you know, or shooter in general, I guess you could say. But um, but yeah, overall, I mean, those are really the only two things I've been playing. Uh, Molly and I have been playing still The Walking Dead's Telltale, or Telltale's Walking Dead, Um but we've kind of been taking a pause to that, watching some sh- TV shows and things like that, too. Um, but yeah, that's about it on my end. There's a couple games that I know I'm going to end up getting started here soon. Um, I still have yet to we still have yet to dive into Rainbow Six Extraction. I'd like to get into that. Um, Steam just started its uh, which. Just so everyone knows, on top of that, Steam just started its new year, uh, its lunar new year sale. So another, you know, a, a little bit smaller of a sale compared to the winter, summer, spring, fall. You get what I'm saying. But in general, there's a ton of good stuff out there. There's some games on there I'm going to pick up. I think I'm now going to for sure pick up Inscription. Uh, I regret not picking it up beforehand, 
So I definitely want to jump into that. Now that <laughs> now that Final Fantasy 14 is finally back for sale, um, I would like to get in and play that as well. I've been itching to get back in and play, like itching to get into an MMO, um, especially an MMORPG. And I kind of wanted to get back into ESO as well, Elder Scrolls Online. Um, and they just had their premiere of the newest expansion um, that's coming out in the summer. I believe it was June. And it's centered around Brenton. So I would eventually like to get into that, dip my toe back in and kind of see what the guys are up to if they want to do that as well. So, but that's about it on my end that I can think of. But Anywho, this probably isn't going to be a super long episode because it's just me, but I did want to go over some stuff that has kind of gone on in the industry um, just because there's kind of been threaded. I mean, it, it, I think the industry is still kind of reeling off of the Microsoft Activision Blizzard acquisition, um, but there's still been some decent stuff that has come along that I think is kind of fell under the radar just for the sole fact of how big that announcement was to begin with. But um, one thing I did want to bring up, <clears throat> and this I think is really, really, really cool. And more so, I didn't think, not that I, I shouldn't say this, it makes total sense. I didn't think that we would necessarily see this be branded more so as an EA thing, but what they're doing makes complete and total sense. So, kicking it off. Respawn, you know, the famed developer behind, of course, the original Call of Duty 4, um, but also, obviously, more modernly, Titanfall, Apex Legends, and, of course, Jedi Fallen Order, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, my game of the year in 2019. Um, but Respawn has been confirmed to now be working on three new Star Wars games, including the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, I'm going to read just real quick through this write-up from Cat Bailey over on IGN. Cat does great work over there. Um, so definitely jump over there. Give her all the clicks, all the check or all the reads, yada, yada, views, whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm saying. But yeah, Cat does great work over there. She did great work at US Gamer. So go over there, give her a click, and let's dive into it. EA is far from finished with the Star Wars universe. The publisher is working on three new Star Wars games, all of which are being overseen in one form or another by developer Respawn Entertainment. The games comprise a sequel, or comprise, I'm sorry, comprise a sequel to Je Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, an FPS, and a strategy game. No release dates have been offered for any of the new games. The new game in the Star Wars Jedi series, which was confirmed to be the start of a franchise shortly after its 2019 release, will once again be directed by Stig Asimovsen, uh, who led development of the first game as well as God of War 3. The Jedi Fallen Order sequel will be joined by two additional games set in the Star Wars universe, both of them as yet untitled. One will be a first-person shooter led by Peter Hirschman, who previously served as VP of Development at LucasArts, has a long history of working with Lucasfilm and co-created Medal of Honor, which is really exciting to hear. Um, the other will be a strategy game developed by BitReactor, a recently formed studio comprised of Firaxis Games veterans best known for their work on the XCOM franchise. BitReactor will closely, or work closely with Respawn on the project. Respawn founder and group GM Vince Sampella will oversee this new three-game initiative, which EA ca categorizes as, quote, a new phase of EA's relationship with Lucasfilm. So, like I said, kind of wanted to jump in and just kind of look over all of this because I don't want to say it's out of the blue, because by all means, one, we knew that 
clearly Jedi Fallen Order was getting a sequel. It was already told to be that even if it wasn't Respawn, we all knew it was Respawn, um, even though it was kind of tongue-in-cheek, like, oh, yeah, we'll have to see where the EA deal goes. And, and I'm Canadian. They see where the EA deal goes, eh? You know, <laughs> hopefully it goes through. We've got to be buds, eh? So, um, <laughs> but everyone kind of knew that, yes, that's clearly, if they're doing another Jedi Fallen Order, which they said they're doing another Jedi Fallen Order, it's the start of a new franchise, Respawn's going to do it. I mean, come on. <laughs> Unless they were going to do like an anthology-esque experience that, almost like Marvel Games is doing now and what Star Wars in general, or what um, Lucas Games is doing in general right now was shipping out the Star Wars license to on a case-by-case basis. Like, hey, we have the properties. You're a great developer. What do you want to make with our properties? So um, it's really cool to see, though, that obviously we're getting more... Obviously, we're going to have the proven commodity in Jedi Fallen Order, but and we're obviously going to get... I think it was kind of like, okay, granted, I know Respawn wanted to do Jedi Fallen Order to get a break from, like, to now that they have multiple teams within, like, hey, the Apex team, the Jedi team, you know, they, they have the breadth of, okay, if somebody's working on Apex, and yeah, they want to keep working on Apex, but hey, they want to switch it up after a while. Once we get this content, uh, the new content rolled out for Apex, they're moving over to work on the Jedi team because they want to, you know, they need a refresh. They want to get away from maybe working on a first-person shooter or shooter in general, competitive game. They want to work on a single-player narrative experience. Or they're just big fans of Star Wars. I want to get into that. But vice versa, you know, you may have somebody who has been hired originally to, you know, for Jedi Fallen Order 1, working on that, you know, having the experience of, you know, yeah, I have experience in this area, but I'm working on Jedi Fallen Order, or I'm working on now a nar- first per- or a single-player narrative experience. I have a lot of experience in first-person shooters. I really want to get back into that. Having the breath to be able to kind of pop in and out of different franchises and different genres and everything like that, I think is really helping respawn out because to me personally, now this is just me and we can go through. I'm actually going to pull it up. Now this is live. I want to pull up just so I'm not missing anybody. Cause I feel like as soon as I say this, it's going to be like, Oh shit. I forgot like half of them. Um, Let's see the so I personally believe looking at these studios that are owned under the EA umbrella, a lot of people always say, oh, Bioware, Bioware is it. Bioware is they are the crown jewel. I'll be straight up. I think Respawn is hands down the crown jewel of electronic arts right now. I think Nobody touches them in terms of polish. Nobody touches them in terms of gameplay innovation. Uh, nobody touches them in not only narrative and narrative storytelling or anything like that, but also environmental storytelling as well as universe building, what we're seeing with Apex. Um, and that's not any slight towards necessarily Bioware. I mean, and obviously, Bioware has had its ups and downs over the years. Um, but it was nice to see them rebound with a really strong port or not poured, really strong remaster of the Mass Effect trilogy come out and say, hey, yeah, Dragon Age is right down, you know, it's coming soon, and we just learned it's not coming this year uh, from some sources, but I believe Jeff Grubb broke that, if I remember correctly, but if that's not coming this year, it's coming next year probably, then after that, we're going right into the new Mass Effect. 
And it's great to like kind of like, okay, we're getting reminders of what made Bioware so great. Sure, they stumbled with not only, you know, granted, Dragon Age uh, Inquisition won Game of the Year in tw- uh, 2014, I believe it was. One Game of the Year that year, but then to follow up with Mass Effect Andromeda, which was a flop, to not only then follow up again with uh, Anthem, which was an even bigger flop. <laughs> so it, it, the history is there with Bioware, but at the same time, I mean, who else do you then look to? DICE. And DICE, don't get me wrong, has done great work with in terms of really being at the forefront of the technology involved with first-person shooters and bringing the new tech and the software innovations on top of that to just be able to bring it into a full package and move forward. The games that they do produce, though, I think Battlefield 1 was the... I Personally, I think Battlefield 1 was their strongest entry in a long time. Um, and since then, it's kind of been just me, personally. Um, but in obviously, Battlefield 2042 <laughs> left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. So... It's going to be interesting what they do moving forward. So, and just looking through, and this isn't against anybody who, or any of the EA sports teams that are out there, uh, not to mention motive, but at the same time, though, when you look at their list of studios, Respawn's it, man. I mean, Criterion does great work with Need for Speed. Codemasters does great work with the Drive franchise, I believe it was. Um, And they're going to be, uh, obviously working on Need for Speed and stuff now too, which is great. Uh, like I said, uh, Motive as well. But when you look at EA, like I just don't think anybody touches Respawn. Like Respawn is the crown jewel right now. So to have them involved in not only one, two, but three Star Wars projects, I think that's the ultimate goal now. I think that benefits... At the end of the day, I don't think that necessarily... Yes, it benefits Star Wars, obviously, or the Star Wars brand and Disney and everybody like that. But I think this deal really, if anything, benefits EA the most. This gives EA the ability to not force, obviously, hey, we got to use the Frostbite engine on everything. Because that's supposedly what has been kind of... (laughs) I don't want to say it's necessarily like... If you come to work for at an EA studio, you have to use Frostbite. Um, But like... You know, knowing that that's being used, that engine's being used in now multiple EA sports titles. On top of that, obviously the dice. Uh, on top of that, dice's games that they're obviously working on, but that's a little different. That's their in-house uh, engine. But to see EA kind of move away from that a little bit now, obviously with Motive having or not Motive, I Respawn having the ability to say, okay. For sure, <laughs> we're not going to use that with Apex Legends. For sure, we're not going to use that with Jedi Fallen Order. We're focusing on Unreal. That makes the most sense because we want to get this on the most. Like, I think EA is finally getting that realization that shit, not only is Dice's, if Dice's um, Frostbite engine not that flexible outside of... Like, first-person shooters, it's great. I think it's a great engine. It has flexibility and the scalability is not too bad like i think there's a lot of wiggle room with that but from at least what i can tell but it's clear as day that that after you get outside of first person shooters that engine is not flexible it does not translate the software that's involved in the tool set that's involved with that 
doesn't translate very well um, when you're talking sports games, when you're talking uh, third-person action games, anything like that. I, RPGs, we've seen issues when it comes to clearly um, Mass Effect and Dragon Age, um, to name a few, and Anthem. Like So it's really what Respawn's been able to do has been really inspired. And also, too, having the balls to then say, like, we're going to have this incredibly talented first-person shooter studio go and do a third-person action game based on one of, if not the biggest, intellectual property in the world, and it'd be a fucking smash hit. That's crazy. You know, not that I think they would drop the ball with that, but you get what I mean. And it stings fucking incredible when it comes to his vision with third-person over the shoulder for the most part. I mean, granted... God of War was much more, God of War 3 was much more action than action adventure, but having that perspective, having that mindset, knowing that Star, War, Star Wars not only is about the depth and the moments between characters, but also the scale. I mean, it's space fantasy, or science fantasy and space fantasy. It's supposed to be big and bombastic in parts. So knowing how, how much of scale was involved with the God of War original trilogy having somebody like Stig to be there and kind of guide that has been great. So seeing them now turn around and say, or Lucas games turn around and say, you know what? We're not signing any exclusivity deal. We're doing, you know, without saying this, Marvel's Marvel games has found success doing this. We're, you know, we want to follow that trend because to be honest, as somebody who is a star Wars diehard, the brand isn't in the best <laughs> position necessarily. Um, so or as it should be, I should say. It's not floundering. I'm personally not a huge fan of Book of Boba Fett, but realistically, outside of The Mandalorian and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, those were the two most successful properties, really, since Force Awakens. Um, so, but knowing that, you know, ha having Lucas Games come out and say, yo, we're doing what Marvel Games is doing, we want to work in handpick studios instead of signing one big exclusivity deal, it's great to then them them still say keep the door open to no we we acknowledge we don't we don't sweep everything under the rug with the EA deal. We still acknowledge that yes, this was very successful. What you guys did was great. It helped the brand to sold a fucking ton of units for what it was like. So, it, it's good to see that this isn't a bland deal that, or a, not a bland deal, but a broad deal. A blanket deal, that's the word I'm looking for, not broad. You get what I'm saying. Words, they're sometimes hard. You know, fucking get off me, you know? Um, but no, I, I think this is fucking fantastic to hear. It's great to hear that they're also getting, you know, getting to use their wheelhouse as well as being one of the best, if not the best, first-person shooter studio out there, being able to take the incredibly talented developers from the Apex Legends team and put them hell give us a Star Wars Battle Royale I don't give a fuck that'd be dope like and I'm not even a Battle Royale guy hell yeah give me that shit so I think there's so much positive with this deal not to mention this I'm not the biggest strategy guy in the world but not to mention the fact that we're getting from uh the newly created studio bit react or developer bit reactor comprised of like I said and when reading from Kat's article it's mostly of XCOM veterans. Like, to me, <laughs> I'm not the biggest strategy guy, but I love Mario and Rabbits. I love XCOM. That, that's easily how you get it. And granted, I love, I, I love like Warcraft, Starcraft, but I'm not like 
super, super into Age of Empires or anything like that. But like, god damn, like I love XCOM and Gears Tactics-esque strategy experiences. Like I love that kind of strategy. So knowing that, you know, we're having veterans that are composed, you know, focused in and having skill sets that have benefited one of the best strategy franchises out there. You know, it, it's just all it's all positive news, man. It's it's just Star Wars, the Star Wars brand and what Disney is able to do right now. And um, shout out to John Drake, um, formerly of Sony, now with Disney games. Shout out to John Drake, because this is definitely, definitely, definitely with him. This is definitely, um, you know, obviously I'm not in the room knowing that's for sure him, but um John Drake, who was a port, uh, basically was in charge of partners, uh, you know, Sony's partnerships and you know portfolio management and stuff with their IP and different things like that. He's responsible for really putting Marvel Marvel games and Insomniac together and getting Spider Man out of that. Um, somebody who was very integral in that. So, and now that he's with Disney Games, what he's doing now and these partnerships and working with Lucas Games working with everyone involved there in getting these partnerships is it just on paper makes sense. Sometimes all it takes is, you know, hey, let's step back, take a broader look at the picture, look what we have, know that it's valuable, and know, look out there and say, what is valuable and what would work best for us? People want to work with us because we have Star Wars. People want to work with us because we have Marvel. You know, like, people want to work with us because we're Disney in general. We have some of the biggest, if not the biggest IPs in the world. Like, and not just Star Wars, Marvel. We're talking Fox now, too. The Simpsons are still fucking running around. I don't know why I went to the Simpsons first and foremost. I guess because I'm a 90s kid. But anyways, though, it's it's good on both sides because I think this really is going to bring out the best of what people are happy with EA about. Like, it highlights the highs and necessarily takes you know, the spotlight off the lows, but in general, I think it's fucking fantastic. I think we're really, really going to see a really strong era of Star Wars come out in terms of video games. Like we're already seeing, you know, massive, um, massive entertainment, the studio behind uh, the division, get their own Star Wars experience uh, over at Ubisoft. Uh, obviously multiple other projects in the works. So I'm, I'm just really happy that we're going to get to a point, um, where this really is going to be a breath of fresh air with Star Wars. I'm not to mention too, granted it's a console exclusive, but I don't fucking care if it's a console exclusive or not, but we're going to remake a KOTOR. Granted it's on PlayStation, but fuck it. Who cares? You know, like it's just a great time to play licensed video games. That's, that's what I think is. The most important thing to take out of this the licensed video game is better than it ever, ever. I don't want to say ever should be, but ever could have been imagined what you wanted as a kid, what you thought you were getting as a kid, what you definitely weren't getting as a kid. You're now getting as, you know, a new, <laughs> a new wave of kids, but also me as a 29 year old kid, I'm getting that finally. And that's fucking fantastic. Like it's, it's, you're having the kids who grew up on that, knowing what they wanted that now make the games that, they want to make like it's just fucking fantastic. So kudos to everybody. It's really kudos to everyone over at EA, Disney Games, uh, Lucas Games, everything like that. So that's pretty much all on that end. Um, one more news article that I kind of want to cover, just kind of mostly a follow up from 
last week's obviously major news that came out about Activision and Blizzard. Um, but this one I kind of wanted to bring on just because I think it's important to kind of touch on and give maybe what should be expected in terms of a broader picture of this deal, kind of a timetable, you know, whatever you kind of want to call that or what to expect really out of this deal moving forward um, out of the EA, or EA, God damn it, um, out of the Activision Blizzard deal with Microsoft um, and Call of Duty. But just kind of following up on that and but will give us a good timetable on what to kind of see with Call of Duty, Activision Blizzard, uh, Microsoft and what third party Call of Duty would really look like. So. The headline goes from obviously the one and only Jason Schreier over at Bloomberg, the man, the myth, the legend. Um, go over there. Link will be in the description. Go over there. Give Jason a click and everything like that. But Activision's next three Call of Duty games will be on PlayStation and Xbox. Like I said, comes from Jason Schreier over on Bloomberg. Link in the description. Activision Blizzard, which is being bought by Microsoft, will release at least the next three games in its hit Call of Duty franchise on Sony Group. <laughs> they have the business names on here, but on Sony's PlayStation, as well as, uh, as well as its new owner's Xbox. Before news of the $69 billion acquisition broke last week, Activision had already commented or committed to make the next few Call of Duty games available on Sony's console, according to four people with knowledge of the deal, speaking anonymously because they were not authorized to speak to press. That includes this year's Call of Duty, expected to be a brand new entry in the popular Modern Warfare subseries being developed by Infinity Ward, and the Fallen game, which is in develop development at Treyarch, both Activision-owned studios. The deal also includes a planned new iteration of Call of Duty Warzone, the lucrative free-to-play game that was released in 2020. Phil Spencer, who was recently appointed Chief Executive, Op yeah, Executive Officer of Microsoft Gaming, said last week that he had spoken to Sony's leadership about the franchise. Quote, I, can I confirmed our intent to honor all existing agreements upon acquisition of Activision Blizzard and our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation, he said on Twitter. Sony is an important part of the industry and we value our relationship. But gamers have been wondering what those, quote, existing agreements are. Traditionally, Call of Duty games have been released on Xbox, PC, and PlayStation, where they drive substantial sales. Call of Duty games have received heavy promotion on the PlayStation Store and have been tied to massive marketing deals in recent years. Every game in the annual franchise ranks among the top-selling games on PS4 and PS5. Call of Duty games have been the best-selling titles in the U.S. each of the last three years, according to the NPD Group. For at least the next two years, Microsoft is committed to releasing Call of Duty on PlayStation, the people said. Neither Sony nor Activision responded to requests for comment. Microsoft declined to comment. Plans are hazier for the Call of Duty games further out, said the people familiar with the matter. Microsoft said it expects the acquisition to close sometime in the next six to eight, <laughs> six to 18 months, after which it will be able to decide whether to continue releasing future Call of Duty games on PlayStation. Top employees at Activision have also discussed spacing out Call of Duty releases rather than putting them out every year, Bloomberg has reported. Eventually, Microsoft could deprive its biggest gaming rival of an integral franchise. With some previous acquisitions, Microsoft has honored existing contracts, then pivoted. Obviously citing uh, the Bethesda acquisition and saying, you know, hey, we're going to have all these games on there and Starfield's going to be coming out on there originally. They didn't say that, but Bethesda said that and then now Starfield's on Xbox exclusive. So, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, though. So, yeah, I kind of wanted this one's more of just leaning into chiming on it, just kind of catching everyone up. Not that I think anybody is surprised by this by any stretch of the imagination. 
Um, because realistically, I went and I'm on record with talking about this. I when the Bethesda deal was first released, I was like, "There's no fucking way. There's no chance in hell that we're not getting the Elder Scrolls Six, Starfield, and Fallout." On there's no chance in hell those are going to be exclusive because I was like, there's too much money. The player base is too big. Yada, yada. Flash forward. Obviously, I'm wrong. And granted, I, I wasn't saying I shouldn't have said no way, no chance in hell because there's obviously a chance for everything. And also too, Paris Lily, like I quoted last week uh, from Kind of Funny Games and Gamer Tag Radio said, you don't spend at that point seven billion dollars to keep things the same, you know, or to put things on in that case, put stuff on PlayStation here again, we're right here, you know, flash forward, whatever it is, 18 months later, and bada bing, bada boom, we're back in the same boat. And we're talking about now a $70 billion deal. So you sure as shit don't spend $70 billion to keep things the same. So it's tough to see, though, that obviously, obviously, we're, we know that we expected at least this end that, hey, Modern Warfare 2 or whatever it's going to be called that's coming out this year from in, uh, from Infinity Ward, that's going to be multi-platform. Same with, you know, at least the year after that because these deals aren't just, you know, hey, every six months we're going to, uh, you know, six months out we're going to just make sure. Like, no, these games are years in advance, uh, you know, developed in like a three or four year cycle, uh, which is a little which always is a little alarming to me because the, how massive these games are and I know how much they would benefit from more of a or I must say Call of Duty more of a Assassin's Creed um development cycle now that they're approaching that it doesn't have to be every year. Let's let's space it out a little bit. Let's give a little breath um you know between these releases to give the development teams not only time to you know, where they're not continuously working 80 hour weeks, but also too that they can put the polish into these games that they probably deserve and the time that each of these for each of these iterations of Call of Duty deserve. But as we've seen with the, you know, Bethesda acquisition, yeah, Deathloop was still a console exclusive on PlayStation. Uh, Ghostwire Tokyo is still going to be a, a console exclusive on PlayStation. Um, you're obviously going to be able to get those on uh, PC and eventually they're going to be on Xbox as well. But and you're going to get them on Game Pass and everything like that. Great. But at the same time, too. You know. That doesn't mean that moving forward, they're ready to kind of pull the rug on that. I th I side with the whole mindset with this deal that. I expect. Call of Duty in terms of its. Like, Warzone will always be multi-platform. There's, when we're talking the entity that so many people within the Call of Duty realm gravitate towards, not only because it's free to play, but also because it has the largest consistent user base, Warzone can never, I, I can never see that going truly, truly, truly exclusive. That's cutting out too much. That would be, in my opinion, weird. That would that would be a very big misstep. The iterative Call of Duties, the standalone products that we're putting out, it, the traditional, you know, Call of Duty product that's being put out. Yeah, I could see those going to Xbox. I could see, or sure should at least see, maybe we have, you know, Warzone, and maybe we have 
a, you know, kind of like Halo is split into two where you're having the free to play multiplayer and then the paid campaign or what we're expecting, quote unquote, campaigns that we could see moving forward, that maybe those are the Game Pass key. You know, maybe that's what is going to be exclusive to Xbox. That, hey, you want to play Call of Duty's newest campaign? Cool, it's on Game Pass. So if you have something within the Game Pass ecosystem or Xbox's ecosystem in general, you can play it. You got a gaming PC? Great, you can play it. It's included. You have an Xbox Series X? or Series X? Great, you can play it. Series S? Great, you play it. Uh, supported device that you could do cloud streaming to? Great, you could play it. Outside of that, though, that's where I see that the divide could be because if it was, you know, 15 years ago, the amount of people who buy Call of Duty for the campaign is much more, it's it's a lot closer in terms of the balance comparative to now where realistically, a lot of first-person shooter campaigns are kind of pushed to the wayside. It's always about multiplayer and and rightfully so that's the you know i don't want to say rightfully so it's i should say it's understandable because that is the product that is going to live the longest most of the time that's the product you're going to get the most out of unless it's a large-scale rpg or you know a huge narrative-based game that you're going to have people coming back to your multiplayer is what is going to keep people staying invested in your product for as long as possible so i get it so it, it makes sense but if this happened 15 years ago, I think that would be a bigger deal that shit, we're only going to be able to play Call of Duty on there because I just want to play the new Call of Duty campaign. You know, not as many people had Xbox Live at that point. So people were just like, yeah, whenever friends come over, we can play, you know, uh, split screen or something like that. But I'm buying Call of Duty to play, you know, the campaign or I'm buying Halo because I'm ready for the campaign, even though Halo is a little different. The story, I think, is a little more consistently strong when we're playing that or when you when they're being developed. But that's more of an opinion on my end. But I do think it's really interesting that. I think how do I want to put this? I think it's really interesting that. I think it's really interesting that I don't want to say that it's surprising by any means. Call of Duty is one of the biggest intellectual properties in the world and especially in gaming. But I think it's interesting that we're seeing so much like we're seeing this much emphasis being put on Call of Duty from communities that I guess from a community, I'm talking more of a community standpoint, not a business standpoint. We've already talked about that. We, we would know it's idiotic to not, you know, certain business practices. Call of Duty just prints money, but it's, it's interesting to see so many communities now kind of like, now that Xbox is acquiring Call of Duty, oh shit, like, it's kind of like whenever, you know, people were, uh, you know, saying stuff about the Halo's multiplayer and things like that, that it's like, you know, when one thing's being changed now, it's like, shit, what do we have? Now we got to bitch about this, even though, I don't know. Anyways, though, um, I definitely could see Call of Duty going exclusive when it comes to the mainline entries, specifically their campaigns. We may see Call of Duty just become a platform and like Halo Infinite, like, you know, where Warzone is and like we're really seeing Call of Duty kind of become now. I mean, when I open up Call of Duty on my on Battle.net, like when I open up on my PC, go to Call of Duty, it gives me options of, hey, do you want the newest product that's out there now? Do you want Warzone or do you want zombies? Like it's split into three different things because there's really three avenues of Call of Duty right now. So if we can, so if it becomes something like, you know, hey, 
the platform's out there to everybody, but you're going to get big-time exclusive content right here on Xbox that you're not going to get anywhere else. You know, Xbox and PC, I should say. That, you know, but then it kind of... I'm not... And I'm not saying I agree with that. I, I'm Mr. Like... I, I want to see everything on everything. Like, I, I don't I don't like gatekeeping. But I think Microsoft has been taking a decent approach to exclusives in terms of, yes, we want to just drive people into our ecosystem, but our barrier to entry with our ecosystem is fucking a foot tall. Like, almost anybody can get in as long as you have a smart device. Because, you know, sure, right now they're working out stuff with Apple. Obviously, they can do it browser-based and things like that. But, like... Soon enough, it's just going to be you have a device in your home that can support Xbox in some fashion, period. You you do like there's no even if people have, you know, an iPhone, usually someone in somewhere in their house, they have a shitty laptop at the fucking bare minimum, a Chromebook that you can open up and go and open up because for some reason you have to use Microsoft Edge, which I don't like. <laughs> um, nobody wants to do that. I want to do it through Firefox, please. Or, you know, people use Chrome or whatever, you know, like, but go on, go on your browser and pull up Xbox game streaming. It's right there. You can play it. Plug in a controller. You're good to go. You don't have to use mouse and keyboard. You can just plug in a controller. You're good to go. Like, it's just getting to, like, I think that that approach to exclusivity is smart where, Yes, technically they're exclusive, but like there's no lock on the gate. You can come right in like it. <laughs> it you don't got to pay that big of a fee like, you know, so it, to me, it's it's not as big of a deal that I think a lot of people take. But at the same time, too, that's not traditional gaming. And I have to keep in mind personally that not everybody has a gaming PC or every console or the latest tech or whatever. But at the same time. Pretty much everyone has some form of a personal computer in their home, whether it's a shitty Chromebook, whether it's a high-end laptop, whether it's the thing that's in your pocket right now that's the mini computer, the phone. Somebody has something that can support it or they can get for very cheap that is supported by that. So that's where I think we'll see Call of Duty kind of trend with that. I I don't see it. I don't see Warzone ever going exclusive i don't see uh, it's a toss-up i guess i should say the platform of call of duty going exclusive like i definitely think the campaigns are i definitely think there will be exclusive con multiplayer content exclusive to xbox but do we really see the traditional call of duty approach you know team deathmatch search and destroy that top style of multiplayer truly go exclusive we'll see that's that one's up in the air for me but um, but this Activision deal is still just so fucking crazy. It's so wild to me. It's so wild. Um, I, I never thought I'd see the day where, where we're basically seeing, we're basically, I, cause I, I won't say it's a monopoly by any stretch of the imagination. I won't, because it's not true. If you talk to anybody in business and finance and that level of, transaction that we're seeing or that have knowledge of large corporate corporate scale acquisitions that we're seeing they'll say no like at the end of the day fox or disney bought fox think of the think of what was needed to be done when disney bought fox to make that happen or what they acquired 
all of what they acquired. It's it's a non-factor. But at the end of the day, it's it's it like I said, it's a non-factor. There's not much to worry about. It's going to be approved and but it's just crazy to think that wow, we're at a point in time where Microsoft owns the Elder Scrolls, Fallout, um Doom, Wolfenstein, I uh, Diablo, Overwatch, Warcraft, which includes World of Warcraft, StarCraft, uh, Crash Bandicoot, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, um, what else? Am I? Call of Duty. Um, you know, it, it's just you go down that list and it's it, it's just bananas. It's just bananas. My big thing with this is I hope it opens up better. I don't want to say better, but it opens up really cool partnering ideas where we're seeing kind of like what we're seeing. Hey, uh, the initiative, they're not rare, but they're doing perfect dark. Like maybe this is where we see a tours for Bob take a crack at a banjo kazooie or something like that. You know, that'd be dope. I think that's a great idea. You know, so sure. Why the hell not? But anyways, guys, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Like I said, it's a quick one in and out. Just me. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming next week where Mike and I just make fun of each other and then bullshit about video games forever. But anyways, as always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelus on most internet platforms, including at Travelus underscore on Twitter. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time on twitch.tv slash Travelus underscore, same as Twitter. And if you want to play some video games with me, you can do so over at Xbox Live at just regular old Travelus. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, and review us, and all the jazz I tell you every week wherever you get a podcast at. And if we're not on there, let me know. We'll get on there. And follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything we're earning the show, video games like, and our dope giveaways. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for our episode this week. Thank you everyone so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on, wash your hands, listen to the doctors, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week.